Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May the 30th, and our psalm for today, our chapter for today, is Psalm 37. David needs perspective, and God is about to give it to him. As a matter of fact, David turns around and says to all of us, this is how you get out of frustration and anger, jealousy and fretting and worrying, which all of us fall into from time to time. And so he commands us, do not fret because of evil workers. Don't begin to look around and be envious because someone else is blessed. You're not a victim. You're not entitled to anything. God, in all that he does for us, is merciful and gracious. He owes us nothing. And David clamors for perspective in his own life. And God gave it to him because he desperately needed it. He needed to look around and to see not where people are now, but how they're going to finish. What's going to be the outcome? Do not fret because of evil workers, nor be envious, that is, jealous of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. This is the opposite of what we saw in Psalm 1 of what is said about the godly. The scripture says, those who meditate on the word of God day and night shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth its fruit in its due season, in its season. But listen to this, its leaf will not wither. Now, according to verse 2 of Psalm 37, the ungodly is going to be cut down like the grass, not like a tree that's going to have the fruit produced at the proper season, not like the tree that is going to have a leaf that will not wither, but they're going to be cut down as just a blade of grass. And so David admonishes us, and he has every right to do so, And he gives us a series of imperatives, of commands. God speaks to him, and here's what he says. Trust in Hashem. Trust in the Lord. That's the first thing that we need to do, is understand that the remedy for fretting and worry is trust. You cannot trust God and worry at the same time. The moment you find yourself worrying, and what worry means in the New Testament is a very good word picture. It means to take one side of your head in your hand, that is your hair, and take the other side of your head, your hair, and begin to pull in opposite directions. That's the word picture of fretting, of worrying. This is not concern. This is not godly, cautious concern. This is when you start fretting and pulling your hair out because you can't control a situation, because you don't know what's coming down the pike. And so the Bible says you need to trust in the Lord. That's the first command. The second command is do good. That's right. Do the right thing. Do what you know to do and trust God to take care of the rest. Then he says, dwell in the land. This is all in Psalm 37. We're not even to five verses, just in the third verse. And God says, don't fret. Trust 
do good, dwell in the land. That is, we are sojourners here. This is not our home, but we need to dwell here, and we need to feed on God's faithfulness. That's four imperatives in one verse. Trust in the Lord, do the right thing, dwell in the land, and feed on God's faithfulness. You see, you and I don't need to worry about anything. Why? Because God is sovereign, and God is not going to allow anything to come into our lives that He cannot handle. That's right. He cannot handle. You and I can't handle anything, but he can. And so God says, do what you know do. Do good. Just stay there. Dwell there in the land and feed on my faithfulness. This is what God says. Now, you can feed on God's faithfulness because God is truly faithful. God will do every time exactly what he says he's going to do, and he'll do it right on time. Now, his timing is not our timing. His way is not our way. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so high is God's ways above our ways. But in verse 4, he says, delight yourself also in the Lord. Now here, this is another imperative. It's the fifth imperative in two verses. Now again, an imperative speaks to the will. It's a command. It doesn't speak to the emotions. People say, well, I just don't feel. It doesn't matter how you feel. When God tells you to do something, you can either obey or disobey. If you disregard it, that's disobedience. So you see, God's speaking to your will, to your volition, not to your emotions. God is not asking you how you feel, whether you feel like this is the right thing or feel like that's the wrong thing or feel like you could do it or couldn't do it. God says do it, and anything that God commands us to do, He enables us, He empowers us, He gives us the ability to do it. God doesn't need your ability. You need his. I need his. And so what he says is delight yourself in the Lord. Now notice it's translated yourself. Delight yourself in the Lord. Why? Because this is what's called a hit pael. A hit pael. That is, it's a construction, a construction in the Hebrew language that is an imperative, but it is reflexive. It's like the middle voice in Greek. In other words, it is the voice of personal responsibility in the Hebrew language. It's an intense, hit pile is an intense construction. That means delight yourself in the Lord. It is your responsibility to delight yourself in God. You are to make a choice. You see, Joy is a choice. It's the filling of God's Spirit. It's the control of God's Spirit. Happiness is a choice. That is, you cannot control your circumstances, but you can control by God's grace how you react and respond to any situation. God will grant you grace. And so David understood that he had his eyes in the wrong place, so he said, Delight yourself also in the Lord. It's your personal responsibility to delight in the Lord. Not delight in your circumstances. Not delight in persecution. Not delight in sorrow. Not delight in you name it, but delight yourself. Look at this in the Lord. It's L-O-R-D, all capitals. Hashem. It's the personal name for God. Yahweh, many would say. So what does this mean? Notice he doesn't say... Delight yourself in what God can do for you. Delight yourself in what God gives you. Delight yourself in the blessings of God. 
Delight yourself. You name it, that's not what it says. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, in who he is, in his person. The way I have said this to people often is this. Don't go to God and delight in what he can do for you, what he can give you. Don't seek his hand. Seek his face. Seek his person. Seek to know him. Seek to walk with him. It's personal. Delight yourself. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to delight ourselves in the Lord. In other words, we go to God and we stay there until we are looking at him and not at our surroundings, looking at him and not our weakness, looking at him and his strength, who he is, and not what we're able to do because that's very little. That's pathetic. We will be depressed in a hurry if we depend upon our courage, our strength, our ability. And the Bible says if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. In two verses, God says, trust, do good, dwell, feed, delight. But only delight is in the hit pile. Only delight is in the intensive. Only delight has as its target as its goal, God himself. Again, not what he can do for you, not what he can give you, not how he can bless you, not what you can get from God, but he, his person. Delight yourself in the Lord. And if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, some would say, you mean God will give me whatever I want and desire? No, 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 no. That's not what this says. He said, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He won't give you what you desire. He will give you what to desire. That means whatever God desires will become your desire. You see, prayer and seeking the face of God is not trying to to manipulate God to come over to our viewpoint. It's not trying to convince God that he needs to do something against his will. Prayer is so communicating with God, so seeking God's face, that his desire becomes your desire. Whatever he wants, that becomes your wants. And then when we line up our will with the will of God, things start happening. Why? Because God is doing in your life what he wants to do. So therefore, whatever you're asking will be in line with his will. You see, his will is what's important. He who is important, not our will, not what we want. And you say, well, is that really the way it works? That's really the way it works. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. Two more imperatives. And he will bring to pass. What will he bring to pass? The desire in your heart that he's given you. Commit your way to the Lord. What does that mean, commit your way to the Lord? Well, it means commit your way to the Lord. The word commit is the word galal. Galal. Does that sound like anything that you know of? Galilee. I roll. Galilee. It's the rolling hills. It's the gal. It's the wave. It's the roll of the ocean. If you go to the northern mountains of Naphtali, and if you're driving through the Hula Valley and you're driving northward, to your left is going to be the mountains of the tribe of Naphtali. And if you will look, they look like waves. They go and they crest and then they fall like a bluff. Then they rise again like another ocean wave. That's the gall. Gall is in contrast to the lower hills of the Galilee, the lower Galilee, which are more rolling and smooth, but yet rolling, still gall like waves. And so the gall lali, galal, 
role, Galilee, I role. What are the mountains of the Galilee? Why were they named that? Because they are constantly showing a rolling motion. If you look at them from any angle, they are rolling. That is, they look like waves of the ocean. Gal is the word for wave, like in an ocean. And so the Galilee is the rolling waves. This is what God says, roll that burden upon the Lord, cast it behind you. This is what Peter said, casting all your care, all of those worries, all of those frets, all of those burdens, cast them on the Lord and he will bring to pass whatever it is that he's put on your heart. Hudson Taylor said that all of us are going to have things that come into our lives, sometimes opportunities, sometimes obstacles. But if we focus on those obstacles, those even opportunities, and we put them between the Savior and us, they will separate us, even something good. But if we will cast that worry or that opportunity or that obstacle, whatever it is, if we will cast it behind our back, it will press us to his heart and bosom. You see, the goal is to stay in eye contact with the Lord Jesus. The goal is to so walk with him that according to Psalm 32, which is we'll learn a praise for cleansing. The scripture says he will guide us with his eye. So the purpose of all of this is to stay glued and focused and fixed on the eyes of God himself. Because God will guide us with his eyes. That way we don't have to have a bit and bridle like a horse where he has to pull us here and pull us there, jerk us here and jerk us there because we are in rebellion and we're not willing to listen. God said, I will guide you with my eye if you'll just keep focused on me. But you see, it's so easy for us to look around and start seeing what God's doing with someone else. We're often like Peter in the last chapter of John and the Lord had just reduced him to ashes. He had just said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me unconditionally? Well, I like you, Peter said. I'm fond of you. I like what you can do for me. Peter, do you do you love me? Do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me as I love you? Well, Lord, you know I like you, and, and, and I'm fond of you. I love what you can do for me. I like hanging out with you. You're cool. Peter, he asked the third time, do you even like me? Are you even fond of me? Do you even like hanging out with me? And Peter was grieved to the heart. Why? Because he knew the Lord put his finger on it. He didn't even like the Lord at times. You see, God brings us to the point to where he gets our focus on him. Peter said it like this in First Peter chapter 2, I think it's verse 7, that he says, to those who believe, to those who truly trust in him, what did the Lord say in verse 3 of Psalm 37? Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, delight yourself in the Lord. Roll your burdens upon him, and he'll bring it to pass. He will guide you. He will guide you with his eye. Why? Because you can hear his voice. You can see his eyes. And to those who trust, to those who believe, Jesus is precious. He's precious. I want to ask you a question today. Is Jesus precious to you? Is he to be treasured in your life above your portfolio, above your wife, your husband, 
your children? Is Jesus your life? Is he precious? David closes the psalm with the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he, that is God, delights in his way. Mm, mm, mm. He, God, delights in the way of those that he directs their paths. He directs their steps. We delight ourselves in him. God will say, I will delight to give you what I have put on your heart to ask for. And if you'll delight yourself in me, I will become the delight of your soul and your way will be ordered by me. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.